It's the Chronicles of Aguna. It's our transfer update show, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. We are live right now on YouTube. Big hello to those of you who are joining us at this moment in time. Big hello to those of you who will be watching this back on replay. And of course, to those of you listening via the audio platforms, you're all very, very welcome. Hope you're all good. Hope you all enjoyed um, the last couple of days of European football. We've been talking uh, about the Euros on our podcast that dropped earlier today, our Euro 2020 daily show. We're shifting the focus back to Arsenal for this one, and we're going to get you guys up to date and discuss some of the latest transfer news regarding the Gunners. Now, of course, the Euros are great. The Euros are important. The Euros are uh, keeping us all sane at the moment. But, but the Premier League season is not that far away. It's about a month and a half away now. And Arsenal are in need of some significant business, particularly if we're going to lose the players that we think we're going to lose this summer. So there is a lot of pressure on Arsenal Football Club to get business done. There is a lot of concern amongst the Arsenal faithful, even though there's still quite a way to go that, you know, we're going to be cutting it fine again, like we always seem to do. Um but some news has emerged today that suggests that Arsenal uh, are close to completing a couple of deals, uh, which will strengthen the squad, in my opinion, but not necessarily the first team. And we'll come on to that in a little bit more detail in just a bit. Just a quick reminder, if you are watching us on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the channel. If you're watching the video, hit the like button as well. That doesn't cost a thing and it really, really helps. And if you're listening via the audio, well, leave us a review because those help hugely and that uh, we really, really appreciate your support. So let's get into the latest news and the latest reports uh, coming from various sources now are that Arsenal are closing in on a double deal worth around about £25 million for Andalex, Albert, Sambi, Lakonga, and of course, Benfica's Nuno Tavares. Now let's start with Lakonga the central midfielder. Um, he's somebody that Arsenal have been linked with for a few weeks now. We understand that negotiations have progressed. We understand that Arsenal's initial bid of, of £13 million was turned down, that Arsenal have got closer to the £17 million mark, which is around about what Anderlecht were looking for, looking for around about €20 million, Euros, which equates to roughly that amount it seems like a fee has been agreed from what we're hearing. However, uh, there are a couple of bits and pieces that still need ironing out. And those uh, details are around the uh, the, uh, the, the sell-on clause that Andelect want to see included in the deal. So when we talk about the structure of the deal, uh, we're talking about kind of the how much of it's going to be paid up front how much of a sell-on clause is going to be included, et cetera, et cetera. It just always feels with Arsenal, doesn't it, that this is the point where we get stuck. We get to a point where we uh, come up with an offer or a, uh, you know, an amount of money that we're going to pay or invest in a player 
And then the payment structure becomes our biggest stumbling point. Now, I think Arsenal, from what I've I've heard, have agreed uh, the around about £17 million fee for Albert Sambi-Lekonga. But now the sticking point, as I say, is around that sell-on clause. From what I've read in the Belgian press, and Electa looking for around about 15%. Um, Arsenal want 5%. You may see uh, a meeting in the middle there, but there's nothing to suggest that this is going to be significant enough or enough of a kind of difference in the views of the two clubs to potentially um, scupper this deal. I think this deal is going to happen. I think this deal is imminent and I expect it to be complete in the next couple of days. Moving on to Nuno Tavares. Now, of course, the Benfica left back is someone we've only actually been linked with for a few days. Um, but it seems like that one is moving very, very quickly. Now, I say Arsenal have only been linked for a couple of days. What I mean is the reports have only been out there for a few days. But I'm sure that if this is a player that Arsenal are going to complete the signing of, there would have been uh, plenty of homework done previously. Now, Nuno Tavares is expected to cost Arsenal around £7 million. That's according to Charles Watts of Goal. He says that uh, it's very close to being agreed. Medical hasn't taken place yet, uh, but the deal should be wrapped up in the coming days. And as we discussed yesterday, what's interesting about Nuno Tavares is that he is capable of playing it right back as well. And Mikel Arteta may have seen that as something that really kind of pushed him towards Tavares when deciding who to sign, because at right back, we could potentially have an issue this season as well with um, Hector Bellering seemingly on his way out. And I guess people not being totally convinced at this moment in time around uh, Callum Chambers and uh, and Cedric Suarez. So we'll have to see. But these two signings are the kind of signings I've been talking about from the end of last season. I know you've probably got sick of me saying this, but low risk, potentially high reward signings. That's what these guys are. Albert Lokonga is someone who, you know, I don't believe is is necessarily 100% ready to walk into the first team and hold down a place, nor do I believe he should be put under that kind of pressure so early on in his career, but who has the potential to go on and be a really, really impressive player and then marshal that Arsenal midfield for many years to come. In Nuno Tavares, you're looking at someone who's coming in as an understudy to Kieran Tierney. Whoever Arsenal signed was always going to come in on that premise, on that basis. And what I like about the Nuno Tavares deal is, yes, there are a couple of things that need improving in Nuno Tavares's game. You know, from reports I've read, he can be a little bit rash. He can be a little bit um, raw at times. But you're talking about bringing in a young player who you could coach, who you could potentially develop, rather than going and signing you know, we were talking about, and I was talking about Ryan Bertrand previously. And now the more I think about it, the more you think somebody like Tavares with the potential to improve as opposed to an older player who's happy to come and collect his paycheck and potentially would only be declining uh, makes more sense. Uh, so let's see. Let's see how this one goes. Um, but, you know, just going back to the midfield bit, and, and talking about, obviously, Lakonga coming in, I said that I don't expect him to come in and have to play every week, and no, nor should that pressure be applied to him. I do expect Arsenal to go out and bring in another central midfielder. Who that will be, however, remains to be seen. Now, uh, I'm sure many of you have seen it on social media. Gabriel, of course, tapping up his former teammate, uh, Renato Sanchez, on Instagram. And Renato Sanchez has had a, um, uh, had a pretty good European championships. He's had a 
a bit of an upturn in form over the last couple of seasons since moving to France. Obviously had a difficult spell joined by Munich for big money. Didn't really work out. Went out on loan a couple of times. That didn't really work out either. Uh, but it's good to see him uh, back at sort of the level that many people thought he would reach. And, and I actually like Renato Sanchez. I'm still a little bit iffy about him. I've got to be honest, just that's based on, you know, what, what happened previously. That's based on his previous spell in the Premier League. I know a lot has happened since then. A lot has changed. He's grown older. He's improved as a footballer. But it's difficult to kind of get that out of your mind until you see otherwise. And aside from a few appearances in the Euros, I, I haven't watched much of Lille to be able to tell you how good he's been on the whole. But from what we're reading and from what people are telling me, he's actually been quite impressive. Let's go over to the live chat box and say a few hellos. Big hello to uh, Assassin General, to Josh, to Nicholas, to Tawana, uh, to ADT, uh, to Dave, to Aaron, uh, who says, happy birthday to your mother. Thank you very much. It was my mum's birthday yesterday. So, uh, yes, thank you um, for your kind wishes. I'll pass them on. Uh, I'm sure uh, she'll be delighted. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, James Jenkins says, forget Springsteen. Harry is the boss. Great content as usual. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciating it. Uh, Ram says, uh, hello, Harry. Arsenal building back strong. Uh, Sam Tonks wants Renato Silva. Uh, James says, smash the like button. It makes Harry smile. It absolutely does. Um, what else have we got here? Sam says, uh, new young blood in the squad. Just what we need. Arsenal moving quietly. Love to see it. Josh Hunter says, the only worry with Tavares is his concentration on defending. Yeah, and it, that kind of builds on the point that I was saying, you know, that I think we do recognise, and I think anybody who's watched him will recognise that he is still not quite at the level required, not quite at peak. Um, but as I say, when you're trying to recruit somebody who is coming in on the understanding that they're going to be an understudy to someone, like is going to be the case with Kieran Tierney, you've got to make that decision. You go one of two ways. You go for the older, more experienced kind of um, campaigner who's been there, done it, probably looking to wind down their career happy, as I say, to collect their paycheck and kind of just muddle through and, and come in and do a job when called upon. Or you go down the route of someone who's a bit younger, who's still got plenty to prove, still got plenty to learn, can actually learn from playing as an understudy to somebody like Kieran Tierney, uh, as opposed to just, uh, sorry, learn from Kieran Tierney with a view to making that spot or another spot in the team their own, rather than just uh, looking to sort of come in as a as a backup. So I quite like the idea of going down the younger route, going down the route of someone that needs something to improve on. And listen, Nuno Tavares has got some some flaws. As I say, he's a little bit raw. He can be a little bit rash. Concentration is something that, you know, he's not always been able to maintain. Um, but as an athlete, he is incredible. And I think it's so important nowadays that a fullback is that athletic. I mean, you look at Kyle Walker, who's, in my opinion, made a career out of being an athletic fullback, made a career based on his athleticism rather than his footballing ability. I'm not saying that Carl Walker is a terrible footballer, but he wouldn't be at the level he is now had it not been for that athleticism. I mean, we talked about it on the Euros podcast earlier where we discussed sort of the role he played in in kind of forcing Thomas Muller to, to waste that opportunity that came his way to miss it just by being there, just by striking fear into his opponents with his incredibly electric pace. And and that is, you know, that is really important, I think, in, in a modern day fullback. Uh, what else have we got here? 
uh, in the chat before we move on. Let's pick up a couple more bits. Um, Sam says Ben White is in as a DM replacing Jacket and centre back option. Banging start to the window. Uh, big hello to Vishal. Um, what else have we got? What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, Daruv says uh, now to strengthen the first team of quality central mid and a centre attacking midfielder is a must. I wouldn't mind letting Chambers and Cedric be the right backs this season. We need quality in midfield. Yeah, I mean, if we couldn't afford to bring in a right back as well as the CM and the, the central attacking midfielder, then I'd agree with you. I think that's a position I'd like us to improve on. But if that has to kind of be slightly knocked down the peck in order so that we can do business in what I believe to be more important areas, I, I would agree with you, Dhruv. Um, And I think that, you know, the priority in this order now, so let, let's assume that Lokonga's in, let's assume that Nuno Tavares is in. Then I think you, you look at, for me, bringing in another centre midfielder and an attacking midfielder. Those are the two areas we need to strengthen. And if we can get another right back in, great. But I agree with you, mate. I think if you have to let those two do the job, because I think, look, a lot of people give Cedric criticism. And I actually think that at right back, forget the time, you know, where he had to play at left back and he looked a little bit out of sorts and he got caught out a couple of times. At left back, Cedric has been pretty much flawless. I can't think of a time he played at right back for Arsenal and performed poorly. I can think of a couple of moments he had in the season, but if my memory serves me correctly, both of those moments or, or, you know, two, three, four moments, whatever it was, all occurred when he was being asked to play out of position at left back. So yeah, I think you've got a strong point there, Dariv. I really, really do. Um, Bajwa says, uh, loving the content, Harry. Thank you very much. He says, what position in this window would be our marquee signing? Ben White. I think as a football fan, I think you always kind of want your marquee signing to be an attacking player. I do anyway. And uh, when I think about those positions that I've just talked about, you know, the central uh, midfield position and the attacking midfield position, I'd like to see one of those be the marquee signing. Listen, if we're going to get Ben White in as well, absolutely fantastic. But I, I don't actually believe that Ben White is coming in as a DM. I know a couple of you have suggested that in the chat already today. For me, I don't think so. I think that Ben White comes in as a centre-back. Um, and I think probably William Saliba's Arsenal career is, is I don't know, it's, it's not looking good, is it? And, you know, m- many of you will have noticed the reports yesterday uh, with uh, William Saliba as agent being at London Coney to have discussions with Arsenal. And I think the problem here with Saliba is that obviously he's, he's returned uh, from his loan spell at Nice. And I think the the narrative that was being sort of pumped out to us as, uh, you know, as fans, as journalists from the club was that he'd be afforded the opportunity to come back into the side, prove himself in pre-season. And then you think about the fact that he's been called up to the Olympics uh, to to represent France, sorry for the for the Olympics, and you you wonder how that's going to work. You wonder what an impact that's going to have, and I have to say it's probably going to be a negative one because what time is William Saliba going to have on the training ground to show Mikel Arteta what he can do? You know, I, I can't imagine he's going to have more than a couple of weeks either side of the Olympics to prove his worth, and is that enough? I, I, you know, I would argue it's probably not. So. You know, I actually think that the Olympic call-up has, has probably thrown a bit of a a curveball uh, towards William Saliba now. And, you know, I, I don't know what that means for him. But I guess the other side of it is, 
I think Mikel Arteta was probably already sort of not sure about him. We, well, we know he wasn't last season, but you know, the fact that Arsenal are rumoured to be so close to completing a deal for Ben White then makes you feel like, well, Arsenal already knew, Arsenal already felt, Arsenal already made up their mind about Saliba before they decided to go and try and break the bank for another centre-half. So, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's difficult to see how William Saliba comes into the team now and, and you know, really... Um, you know, how he how he comes in the team and really makes an impact. I think there's been a lot of talk about him going away on loan again. And if that is to be the case, you know, where do you send him? Um, you know, Newcastle are rumoured to be interested in William Saliba. And if you do send him out on loan, I think it has to be to a Premier League club. I think we have to be able to look at him in the environment in which we will then be asking him to to thrive, to prove himself, to perform before we can make a, a real judgment on that. I, I'm not discrediting French football. I'm not saying it's shit. I'm not going to go as far as, as some football fans saying, call it Farmers League, but it is not anywhere near the level of the Premier League. The game is not played with anywhere near the same intensity. Um, and I think you have to consider all of that. So sending him to France again, would that, benefit us as a football club would that give us a definitive um sort of answer with regards to whether or not he's ready to play for this Arsenal side and to be a part of the first team squad I don't think it would so I think you either make a decision on Saliba and say well we're going to keep you around and we're going to give you a go you know and and you know maybe decide to send him out on loan if the right offer comes in or you you just sell him, like, uh, and I know a lot of people ain't going to want to hear that, but that's that's kind of where I'm at on it. Um, let's go back to the chat because there are a few questions in, and we'll we'll take some questions. Um, we normally do it at the end of the show, but we'll take some now as well. Um, let's see what else we've got. Inter says uh, that not too delighted with the rumored signing. Says they're a little bit underwhelming. Um, yeah, I get that. But, you know, as long as it's not our only business, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, James Jenkins says, Juve swap Ramsey for Xhaka. Anything to this story? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't think that is the case. I mean, Aaron Ramsey's representatives have rubbished reports that he's looking for a return back to the Premier League. I think Ramsey's uh, quite sort of content at Juve. I think that Aaron Ramsey was initially identified, actually, by Max Allegri as a as a player he quite liked and with Allegri returning uh, to Turin I'd imagine that Aaron Ramsey will probably be given a fair chance uh, under the Italian so if I were Ramsey I'd probably stay put and I said this on a podcast a couple of days ago and I actually had a couple of DMs about this people sort of vehemently disagreeing with what I said but I said that Arsenal could compete with Juve on a financial footing but not necessarily on a sporting one and what I meant by that was Arsenal are not going to challenge for the Premier League next season. Let's be honest about it. Let's be honest about where we are. But Juventus are certainly going to challenge for the Scudetto next season. And and that, you know, that appeals to players, doesn't it? Sam says, is Aaron Ramsdale a satisfying backup goalkeeper? We're not moving for Matty Ryan. I'm not convinced in Ramsdale being at a higher level. It's an interesting one, isn't it? This Ramsdale link. It's one that whichever way I kind of look at it and whichever way I come at it, I can't 
quite understand it. I can't quite understand the appeal of bringing in a goalkeeper for 20 plus million unless you think he's going to be your number one for seasons to come. And then I think, well, what does that mean about Bern Leno? Is there something going on with Bern Leno that we're not necessarily wise to yet? Is Bern Leno heading for the exit door? And, you know, it's just not kind of public knowledge yet. I don't know. Um, we read some reports yesterday that suggested that Arsenal had kind of decided that they didn't want to go for the the stopgap type uh, second choice goalkeeper like Matty Ryan was last season. We were desperate at that point. We'd lost Martinez in the summer. We were left with Renarsson, who we understood was brought in with a view to being the third choice goalkeeper, played a couple of times, a few times, handful of times, never really convinced anybody that he was anything more than that. And and now we're looking at Ramsdale. I just think to spend £20 million on Ramsdale, if Bernd Leno is staying put, would be irresponsible given the, the, the number of positions we need to strengthen in this summer. And, you know, price and figure aside, am I convinced that Aaron Ramsdale's the man? I'm not. Um, I'm really not. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's pick out a few more bits and pieces uh, from the chat box. Uh, it's constantly updating, so bear with me. Um, Omar says that uh, Tavares is a known troublemaker. Do we really need any more such characters after Gwenduzi and Saliba? Um, I think it's a bit harsh to call Saliba one. Uh, I think that Gwenduzi is one <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know, I think. I don't know a great deal about Nuno Tavares's history. I don't know, uh, you know, what's what's gone on with him behind the scenes at Benfica. So I'd be sort of lying if I, you know, if I said I did and, and you know, really try to get into this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting if that is an issue, if that is the type of character that he is. Um, I'd be surprised because I think Mikel Arteta is, is normally quite wise to that kind of thing. And we've seen he's kind of got a no no-nonsense sort of attitude towards that. He's got no tolerance whatsoever, as he, for players whose attitude is is not where it needs to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. And I didn't know, if I'm honest, uh, that Tavares is someone with that kind of reputation. Uh, there was a question from Ross Taylor. Harry, how long does Saliba have left on his contract? He's got till 2024. Um was looking this up yesterday. Yeah, June 30th, 2024. So he's got a bit of time left yet. And Arsenal would still be in a position to uh, make the right move and, and make a smart move further down the line. So I'm not, not too concerned by that at this moment in time. Uh, Nicholas says, with Arteta's system, the right back seems to move into the centre midfield in possession. Are you worried with Chambers and Cedric's ability to do this? Also, with the apparent lack of targets who can perform in this system? Um I think, I think you know you've seen that, and you you saw Hector Bellerin do that quite often uh, last season. And a lot of Arsenal fans were quite quick to sort of shout and and kick off and and have a go and criticise Hector Bellerin for tucking in, but that was obviously a manager's instruction. You know, we'd all been watching Hector Bellerin for many many years prior to Mikel Arteta taking over. And we'd seen him bomb on. And, and that was what was great about Hector Bellerin when he first burst onto the scene was his ability to get forward and get involved in play and then having that recovery pace and speed to get back and, and and you know, prevent situations sort of unfolding defensively. So 
you know, Bellerin for me got a lot of, of stick for that when, as you rightly point out, Nicholas, it is something that the manager wants. It is something that the manager uh, feels is important. And I think he probably feels it's important so that it releases the left back, if that makes sense, by stepping into the midfield um, or tucking in. You know, you always want to defend the, the width of your penalty area first and foremost. And by being able to do that, by being able to add an additional man into that midfield mix, it protect your centre-halves a bit more and it allows you to compensate for your left-back being given the freedom that Kieran Tierney is given. So um, I think it's it's something that Mikel Arteta likes. It's something that he's clearly taken from Pep Guardiola and that's fine. You know, he's not a bad person to learn from, is he? Um, do, am I worried about Chambers and Cedric's ability to do this? Not majorly. Um, as I say, whenever Cedric's played at right-back, I've never had any complaints. You know, I, I keep saying it. A couple of the errors he made along the way were when he was asked to play out of position with Callum Chambers. I'm not as big on Callum Chambers as a lot of Arsenal fans are. I think, you know, he tries hard. I think he's enthusiastic. He, he loves being at Arsenal and I get all of that. But I just, going back to the point of these two players, Chambers and Cedric, in an ideal world, would I like to see them as Arsenal's right-back options? Absolutely not. But we have to be realistic about what we can achieve in this window. And I know sort of over the past week and Maybe the week even before that, there have been multiple reports suggesting that Arsenal are going to go really big in the transfer window. And I think that's kind of raised the level of expectation going into uh, going into July now. So, as I said, I, I don't think any of them are the ideal option. Any of them are the ideal candidate. Any of them are going to, you know, show themselves to be top, top draw. But what they are, are they both solid options, in my opinion? And... I would rather that we focused on on the areas that we've spoken about already um, as opposed to, to sort of spending big on a right back just yet. Uh, TB says, Harry, we're winning the league, mate. White, Tavares, Laconga, Locatelli, uh, Renato, Sanchez or Bissouma, Madison. We're winning it all. One game a week. Bring it on. <laughs> Love the optimism, mate. Love the optimism. Brilliant stuff. Um, Josh Hunter, where was your question? I had your question and I just lost it. Um, and a couple of you have actually asked this question as well. So I'm going to pick this one up. What's your opinion on Pope being the backup goalkeeper? I actually prefer Nick Pope to Aaron Ramsdale, maybe an unpopular opinion. Um, but that's my, um, that's my view. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be against that. Um, a couple of you asking that Nick Pope question, um, Nicholas asks, with rumours Juve see Xhaka as an economically safe option, should we be going all out for Locatelli to try and pinch him with pinch him with Juve's rumoured poor financial situation? So I actually had on my little uh, notes thing uh, to talk about Manuel Locatelli because obviously I'm a massive Ars uh, Italian football fan as well as being an Arsenal fan. And, you know, I was talking about Locatelli and I was talking about Barella and a number of other players sort of prior to the Euros as well. Um, and the situation with Locatelli is as follows. He prefers to move to Juve. Locatelli would absolutely love to move to Juventus. I've talked about a reluctance in, in top-level Italian players to want to move away. That's because they believe in their league. They believe in their competition. They understand and they love and they admire and they value the history of some of their great football clubs and the history of the competition, which is truly brilliant, you know, and it's great to watch an Italy side sort of come to the Euros quite unfancied in the sense of, you know, they're not full of the household names that they've 
they might have had in the past. And the reason they're not household names is because the, the eyes and the, the kind of the attention on Serie A has, has sort of fallen away in recent years. There was the Calciopoli scandal. There was the uh, sort of decision to, or, or the fact that, you know, the TV rights were no longer very accessible here in the UK without you signing up to another subscription. Um, and, and that's what happened. And that's why Serie A became largely unpopular and kind of went under the radar a little bit. But what's great about Serie A is that you're watching a squad where only, what, two, three of the players in it, you know, prior to, to the tournament kicking off, because obviously Donnarumma's on his way to PSG, were Italian-based players. So it just goes to show, doesn't it, that there is talent in other leagues that we uh, are a little, can be a little bit narrow-minded to. It's the same with La Liga at the moment. You know, you look at La Liga now, it's no longer on Sky Sports. And here in the UK, I'm sure lots of you um, are not going to bother paying a subscription. And, and why should you? To La Liga TV to watch it. So it's kind of like, you know, when it was accessible, I don't know about you guys, but if I sat down on a Sunday night, time to unwind, I'd just watch the English football and I was just chilling out and was kind of half paying attention to a game. I'd flick on La Liga because it was on Sky Sports. And unless you do that, you're probably not aware and not as, as wise to some of these players. But I, I digress there to talk about La Liga and Serie A. I don't know why digression is my thing, but... Locatelli would prefer uh, to remain in Italy. There's no doubt about that. There's no question about that. He would prefer to join Juventus. However, from the latest reports that we're reading that are coming out of Italy, Juve are not able to pay the 40 million euros in cash that Sassuolo are looking for for Manuel Locatelli. Arsenal can, if we're to believe the reports of a huge summer transfer kitty. So, there is an opportunity for Arsenal to do this. And when I, I made that point earlier on, when I said Arsenal can't compete necessarily from a sporting perspective, we certainly bloody can financially. And I'd like to see Arsenal go and apply pressure on Sassuolo to allow Locatelli to leave. I'd like to see Arsenal go and pursue that deal for a player who I think is fantastic and would really, really improve this team. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's something that we should be considering. It's something that we should... Um, we should be trying to do for me. Um, let me pick out a couple more questions. Uh, Matt G says, I'm at work. Uh, we'll watch on catch up. Thanks for the updates, Harry. No problem at all, mate. Uh, thank you for consistently tuning in as well. Uh, big hello to Jack the Ripper as well. He was watching our Euros podcast a little bit earlier on, but was half asleep. It was early in the morning, uh, to be fair to you. Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, Olivier says, uh, Madison and Awar, nothing new, nothing new uh, that I'm aware of with regards to either of those two players. Awar feels like a bit of a convenient link given how, uh, sort of heavily we were interested in him or is that the right word? Heavily given how strong the interest in him last season was said to be. Um, but no, nothing new on that. F uh, from what I've heard and Madison, I said it a couple of days ago, it looks very unlikely to me just purely because of the cost. I don't think Arsenal would be willing to, to go that extra mile and uh, that would be required in order to persuade Leicester to sell him. Uh, Vishal says, any news on Willian leaving the club with respect? He's quite literally the only outgoing player I'm actually worried about. Um, no news on Willian leaving the club at the moment. There were rumours uh, at the back end of last season that he could be, um, he could be on his way to uh, the MLS 
Not sure that's going to happen this summer. Um, and look, look, the Willian transfer didn't work out. It hasn't worked out, right? Um, I think we can all agree on that. But it was a free transfer. And, you know, if if Arsenal make one mistake in every five transfers, then, then you kind of just, you know, you just got to be accepting of it. As I always say, my famous old catchphrase, there is no transfer in football that is completely risk-free. Uh, let's get this one from Inter. Says, uh, if we are told to trust the process and Arteta took a bigger job, wouldn't that say he's full of shit, which I believe he is? What What are you saying that Arteta's going to leave this season? I don't see it somehow. Arteta will not leave the job this season unless he's pushed out the door. And, um, you know, if Arteta, let's just say Arteta was approached by, by Barcelona. Why wouldn't he consider that? Why wouldn't he consider that? You know, it wouldn't be a reflection of him. It wouldn't mean that what he was saying was bullshit. It would mean that he was on board with a project. And at some point, somebody came along and turned his head. We've seen great players leave the club in years gone by to join other bigger clubs, uh, clubs competing at higher level, clubs with more potential, etc. So, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't really read into that too much, if I'm honest. And I wouldn't worry about that yet. Listen, Mikel Arteta is going to be under incredible pressure at the start of next season, if things don't sort of start well. We all know that. We accept that. Um, he got his free ride season for me last year where, you know, he was um, not expected to do a great deal. Um, I still think that the the Europa League exit and the nature of it was probably enough to to justify a case for him to be sacked. But at the same time, when you take the emotion out of it and you calm down a little bit later on, you think, well, what's the point in appointing someone like Arteta, who's clearly still a work in progress, who's clearly in the club's view for the longer term and then sacking him after his first full season? It wouldn't have made sense. So it would have been the right decision in the eyes of many, but in the cold light of day, a hypocritical one from the club and an almost an admission that they'd made a mistake in trusting someone like Arteta who had relatively little experience in the process. So let's see. Um, let's see. This is the time for Arteta to, um, to you know, to shine and he's got to shine. And I think what I'm very cautious of is is looking at that first run of games. And I think that Nicholas points that out in the chat. When you look at the the opening few games that Arsenal have in the Premier League, I think it's very important that you temper your expectations in line with that and that you don't go into the season saying, well, Arsenal need to win five out of five at the start of the season for me to be happy. I mean, you know, the first game of the season, Brentford, right? Um, then you're talking about a game against Chelsea, Manchester City, Norwich, Burnley, and then it's Tottenham. So there's some really difficult games at the start of their campaign and you're going to have to look at, you're going to have to look at a, a few things, aren't you? Um, when kind of making that decision, if the start's been good enough, rather than it just necessarily being black or white. So I'm not saying he won't be under pressure from the start of next season. I've, I've already admitted that. I just, you know, if we go and get beaten by Chelsea and Manchester City at the start of the season, am I going to be saying that, that Arteta should be sacked then? No, probably not. If we go and get beaten 5-6-0 by both those sides, it's a different story. But um, yeah, he knows better than anyone that he's under pressure. Make no mistake about it. 
Uh, Gianfranco says, Harry, in your opinion, who's the number 10 that Arsenal are more likely to get this summer? The number 10 talks quietened down a little bit, hasn't it? Off the back of like all the links with Lokonga and, and with um, Tavares. And now we're talking about maybe a potential move for Locatelli. Um, the number 10 talk has calmed down a little bit. I still, I still wouldn't rule out a move for Martin Odegaard. I, you know, I know that there's kind of been a lot of like, negativity about that and there's been um you know there's been a lot of talk about you know Real Madrid not wanting to sell and is he worth the money that Real Madrid would be demanding and I get all of that I just think that Real Madrid when push comes to shove could be tempted and I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves in a position a little bit later on in the window where they're going well we've got other business we want to do I'm not sure where else we're going to raise the money from so maybe, maybe we'll entertain something from Arsenal. And, and, you know, from what we're led to believe going into the summer, he was, um, he was, uh, he was Arsenal's number one target at number 10. So I don't think they'll completely give up hope on that one just yet, contrary to what the reports are saying. Uh, just another bit of information for you guys uh, before we wrap up as well, uh, that uh, sort of read uh, just sort of before coming on live, uh, David Luiz supposedly in talks with Marseille over a potential move. Interesting that one. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's go back to the chat box. A uh, big thank you to Saeed Abdullah for your very, very kind super chat donation. Thank you uh, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate that. And if you'd like to uh, donate to the channel, you can do so by using the super chat feature or you can become a member and get access to some exclusive content as well uh, and access to our Discord server. Uh, all you need to do is click on the link in the description and you'll be able to uh, to jump in there and, uh, and get involved uh, with all the conversations in our discord server, but also get access to the tiers of membership. That's what I meant to say. I just, sometimes I try and read comments and I'm talking and I just go off on one, uh, off the blue. So yeah, apologies. Um, interesting. Rafa Benitez just been appointed by Everton as well. That's an interesting appointment. Um, side says big up Harry. What's your expectations for next season? If Arsenal finish top six, is that progress? Yeah, it is. I've always, I said this at the start of last season, what I wanted from Arsenal and why I ultimately think the Premier League campaign was a failure was not necessarily for Arsenal to get in the top four. I was realistic about that, but I wanted to see Arsenal challenge for it. And when I say challenge, I mean, go into the final weeks of the season with a chance to get into the top. Here we go. I think I'm back. Got to apologize about that uh, drop off in internet connection again. Uh, I'll be on the phone having words with them because uh, I've even got a wired connection and it still seems to happen to me uh, every couple of days. But I think we're back now. Just give me a thumbs up in the chat if we are back and apologies uh, for that. Um, what's my expectation? So, yeah, I was saying I wanted to see Arsenal uh, challenge for the top four to be in contention. Uh, for the top four come the end of the season. And I think obviously that wasn't achievable last season. So I'm going to take that aim forward and fingers crossed um, we can uh, we can 
we can do that this season. That's the expectation for me now. He's had a free hit of a season, uh, had half a season before that. He's being backed in the transfer market, it seems, uh, from a financial point of view anyway. So, yeah, got to get it done. Got to get in there. Got to give it a go, at least. You know, if we miss out by a few points, I'm not going to be calling for him to be sacked because it would be progress. But that's my um, that's my my aim for sure. A uh, few more bits and pieces. You know what? We'll keep going. We'll keep going. I'm, I'm good for time um, for once in my life. <laughs> there it bloody goes again oh we're we back yeah we're back uh 67 likes on the video but there is over 250 of you watching us so let's get that up to 100 as well surely uh, we can get that up to 100 as soon as possible um, it would really, really help. So please do so. Uh, Eugene asked if there's an update on Emil Smith Rowe. No update other than uh, the one that we dropped the other day. Aston Villa have had a second offer uh, in the region of £30 million. Pounds, uh, refused, rebuffed, knocked back by the Gunners uh, for Emil Smith Rowe. But Arsenal, uh, there's still a feeling within the club that we're very close to getting Emil Smith Rowe uh, to signing a new contract. And as I've said previously, not necessarily about the term of Emil Smith-Rowe's contract because um, it's not that urgent in that sense because 2023, it is more about uh, sort of putting him on a salary, on a pay packet that reflects his importance to the team because, of course, he, um, he was a really important player for us in the second part of last season. And, um, you know... And, and he's not on a salary that reflects that. And, and that's not fair on the young lad. Um, lots of you kind of talking about uh, Rafa Benitez uh, and that um, that appointment um, and, and what that kind of means for Everton and, and how positive that is. Um, it's a decent appointment for Everton. Um, you know, I... I the thing with Rafa Benitez, and, and not just Rafa Benitez, right, but a number of, like, these kind of managers that you're talking about in the, the sort of, or, of that kind of profile, I think they're, they're at the back end of their careers and I can't see them staying in jobs for very, very long. And I think Everton is somewhere where you need to be a little bit patient. You need to give them a bit of time because they've changed managers a lot. They've thrown money at managers, Koeman, Ancelotti, um, et cetera, et cetera, Marco Silva, and it's never really worked out. It's all been sh very short-term and um and then they a new manager comes in and he's got to deal with leftover players from the previous guy and it's just all been a little bit of a mess um i like him um i, I like rafa benitez i'd be interesting to see how it's going to work it's not a job i thought he would take necessarily given his liverpool connections but despite the abuse he's been getting and the banners placed outside his house or whatever it was i think uh yeah it looks like um he signed for them and, and, you know, best of luck to him. I haven't got any ill feeling towards Everton or Rafa Benitez. A uh, couple of you asking about Patrick Vieira and uh, what looks like it's going to be his imminent appointment at Crystal Palace. I'm not a big fan of Patrick Vieira as a manager. I've got to be honest. I like him. He's an Arsenal legend. You know, of course, you know, I've got a massive soft spot for him. I'm not sure it's going to work. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I'm not sure it's going to work. And maybe sort of once that's official, we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive into Patrick Vieira's managerial career, because I think it's quite an interesting managerial career. And he took quite an interesting route in comparison 
to what a lot of former players take. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch on that maybe when that deal um, is done and finalised. Right, I'm going to leave it there because the internet is giving me all sorts of shit at the moment. Um, apologies for the couple of times it's buffered. Um, I'm going to have to go and restart the route. I don't know what the hell's going on again. Uh, but thank you for all bearing with me and for being patient. And for those of you on the audio, apologies for the blank spot of about 10, 15 seconds where it all went tits up. Um, but yeah, I'll catch you all very, very soon uh, with more Arsenal related content. Until next time, take care. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.